just a word about preaching style. I tend to use a lot of scripture. The goal of that is to promote its value. But realistically, there's a knowledge that I can't cover everything. And in fact, um, if unless the presence of God works through the topic that we're on, it's, it's really worthless to us, right? Um, there's roughly 30,000 verses in the Bible, 31,000-something. And even if you were to go through that on a three-year schedule, that'd be 10,000 a year. Or for 50 Sundays, that'd be 200 a Sunday. That, you know, if I cover 20, uh, yeah, you're going to get a tenth of the Bible. So... <laughs> Realistically, we just can't get it done, right? But our hope is to hit highlights enough and on topic with what God wants to speak to our hearts so that um, there is a sense of His speaking into us through the Scripture, but also by His Spirit each day. And that's, that's our desire. So that said, today, let's go to the Scripture. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 15. This is a chapter about God's desire to restore relationship. It's about his seeking out the lost. And so there's three different parables that come in this particular story. Parable of the lost sheep, parable of the coin, and parable of the lost son. With that, um, the first one is the, the story of the lost sheep. And I want you to note, you and I will identify with being lost sheep, and, you know, that's, that's wonderful, but that's not the focus of the story, okay? So here's the setup in the first couple verses. It says, tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, being Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So... The declaration is being made about Jesus is that there are people coming to him who normally would not be a part of the religious group. In fact, the tax collectors of that day would have been similar to tax collectors and inspectors of our day. You know, where we're not real happy to see them come around and we really don't want to deal with them. We do what has to be done, right? Now, just add to that kind of the complication of this guy made his living off of whatever money he could get out of you. So he would send a portion to the government, but he would also keep a chunk for himself. That was incentivized pay, right? Squeeze as much as you can. And so there, the name that was associated with them was not a pleasant identification. That's all we really needed to know. Uh, the second term, sinners, well, that just covers the whole group, Right? And what's noted is that Jesus didn't confine himself to religious establishment. He wasn't just about church relationships, so to speak. We were put it in today's term. But he made friends with people who weren't normally religious. And the idea of him sitting down for a meal with them was the association that says, uh, we can be friends. And so the first story that he tells when the religious folks are getting their tail in a knot, um, I always try to figure out if I've mixed metaphors. I have no clue. Um, I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, 
they, they're wound up, and he's just going, okay, you need to know how God perceives the lost. You need to know that my being on earth, developing friendships that you wouldn't expect me to have friendships, is an identification of how much God loves everyone and desires a restoration of relationship. So when the story's told about the, the lost sheep, it's similar to us losing a pet, right? You know, somebody this week in our group had lost a dog, and I don't know the upshot of the story, but I know that they were very distraught in that moment. And in the same way, the story isn't about the dog as much as about the person going and seeking and looking for that lost animal. This summer, we had three little pigs that decided to take a walk outside the fence. They did that just as I got there to, to see how they were doing. And when I watched them run off into the woods, there's this sinking feeling of there is no way in the world that I'll ever catch them. They have to come back on their own or uh, I'll never get to eat them. No, <laughs> but uh, there was this knowledge of I, I'm not happy in this moment. But that said, um, you know, that sense of loss is what's being presented in this story. Jesus is making a story. He's saying, when, when you lose something like that, it, it grieves your heart. He says, that's how God feels toward us. It's like when we, at times, have this sense of being lost and separated, a question comes up in our minds, well, will God even talk to us? Does he want anything to do with us? Would he be willing to listen to me even though I've kind of done my own thing, gone my own way, refused his advice and input and direction, and, and then there's this moment where I'm going, would he, would he allow me to be friends again? That's what Jesus is speaking to, and he's saying, God goes after the lost, just like a person who loses an animal goes to seek them out. The second illustration is of the lost coin. And, and you know, again, you know, he's talking about a person who doesn't have much money, and, and again, we're not caught up about coins because they don't have a personality or an identity, Right? You know, we're just saying, oh, yeah, good thing she found it. But all of us have had that sinking moment when we've lost keys or credit card or cash, you know, wallet. Some of us more than others, right? I heard some of you got uh, the, the phone app to go find your keys. If you could only find your phone now, it'd be a good thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's how it works. You know, we, we grieve whatever's lost. And Jesus is making a very specific statement, saying God grieves the lost. His heart is for them. And so if there's ever a question in our minds, would he receive me back? The answer is yes. Some of you went home at Christmas time with the best plans of living the way that you know to live, and it didn't happen. And so you come limping back to school and you're going, I wonder if God will receive me. 
I wonder if God wants me. This chapter declares yes. Third story. This is the one that probably we get to identify with the most out of the three stories, where it's not just seeking the lost, but it's also the lost making a turn and coming back. He said there was a man who had two sons. Younger of them said, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided it between them. In that day, the inheritance usually wasn't received this early. But the son says, I want it now, and I want to do what I want with it. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine rose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he knew that he couldn't do what he wanted at home or in the Father's presence, so he goes somewhere else to get it done. It's very telling about our lives, what we do when no one's watching, right? Or no one that we know sees us. It, it's, it, it exposes things at times where we're going, oh, didn't know that was in me. At least I'd like to think it wasn't, but uh, now I know or we get caught up in thinking nobody's going to see, so I can just try. This is the, the point of the story. It says, left home, realized it's not going to happen with dad right there watching, but I'm gonna, I want to try some things. And he gets out and he realizes, that's, or begins to realize at some point, that uh, he gets to this point where he's spent, you know, he's given out best energies, he's done the things that seemed great in the moment, but they aren't working. In fact, he reaches a place of just uh, didn't, not planning well enough, didn't figure it out quite the way it should happen, and there's this moment where he begins to realize I didn't quite have this figured out the way I thought I did. It's like when we take something on and we say, I know what God says, but I know what I want to do. Or I know what seems good to me right now. And then reaching this moment where you're going, it's not working. There's a temptation in us to say, I don't know why it's not working. It's just, you know, I'll keep trying harder. <laughs> it's not going to work. It wasn't meant to work. It's just not going to happen. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods the pigs ate, and so no one gave him, and no one gave him anything. Again, this would have been odious to the people he was telling the story to. They didn't like pork as much as I do. Um, but in that, he is making his best effort to set things straight. He realizes that what's been given to him by God, or by the Father, is gone, so he's just going to try to make the most of things, yet even in that, it's not working. 
So he's reaching this point of desperation. And it says when he came to himself. You know, when he started processing and saying, I've got to do something different. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I'm going to perish here. This is killing me. He says, I'm going to arise, go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So there's this idea, well, maybe God will take me back, but my hope is not to just have him embrace me and receive me in wholeness, but to just, even just to take care of me. You know, let me work and at least have something to eat. So he rose, came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. So again, the picture is, does God, is he willing to receive us back? Is he willing to step into our lives even after we've violated what we know to do? And the picture here is yes. The embracing, it's a receiving. It's not just a distance, not get things straight and then let me know, how, you know, yeah, I'll take care of you. I, you know, I feel a little obligated. That's not it. It's a declaration of love. Now, he does, the, he does the right thing. He says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. There's a confession that comes out of his mouth and says, I did wrong. There's a humility about his life now. No longer worthy to be called your son. I know that. I, I, I haven't lived up to what should be. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring the best, best robe, put it on him with a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, kill the fattened calf. Let's eat and celebrate. He doesn't have the robe, he doesn't have the shoes, but the robe, the shoes, the ring are all declarations that he's part of the family. These are not what you would do for the servant. These are what you would do for the son. So he says, if you're going to come back into relationship with me, you're going to come back into the destiny that I've called you to. And so when God has from the beginning of time wanted to develop a very large family, makes us in his image, calls us sons and daughters. The idea is that when he brings you into relationship with him, when you humble yourself, confess what's going on, and declare a desire for restoration, the point is made that he receives you as a son or a daughter. He doesn't say you have to earn your place, sit on the bench for a few months and we'll see if you get it together. It's not the declaration. Take a few years of sober lifestyle and let's see if, if, if you can cut it. No. The point is made, he says, you were designed to be a son. That's what you will be. You're designed to be the daughter of the Lord. You, there's, there's no other position for you. 
being drawn back in. So out of this, we're to receive the idea that God wants relationship with us. He wants us to be friends. It's going to take a humility and a turning and a going back, but it's a knowledge that He will receive me as I do that. Now here's the rest of the story, and it's, it's a warning to us religious ones. Now the older son was in the field. Now this is the son that had to pick up the load when the other one left, right? This is the son who got left doing the chores by himself. He drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. He asked, what do these things meant? Your brother's come, your father's killed the fattened calf. Because he was received back safe and sound, and he says he was angry and refused to go in. Now here's the beauty. The father goes out to the son and says, what are you doing? And he says, look, I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command. But you never gave me a young goat even that I might celebrate with my friends. The son of yours who devoured your property with prostitutes, now you kill the fattened calf for him. And the, and the picture is, it's not fair, God. Here I've been diligent, serving, working. Now, I'd suggest to you that anything he had had come from the Father. Anything that was there was his, but God had given it to us to him. The father had handed it to him. And so it's this thing of continuing on. Uh, the challenge I, I was reading for myself when I was walking through this was, if all of my life is caught up in the duty of serving God, that's messed up. And if I have not perceived the celebration and joy of relationship, then my, my thought regarding God is twisted. God's love is such for us that he does not refuse. And he is willing to embrace us. All we've got to do is yield and humble ourselves to respond. Maybe you felt like the older brother and sometimes you watch people come in and, and just kind of just zoom by with these incredible experiences in the Lord and this wonderful testimony of God's intervention and and there's almost a, well, why not me? The best I can suggest to you is that make yourself a part of the celebration and embrace it anyway. And furthermore, you may have lived with the Father many years but failed to adopt his heart for a situation. 
And the challenge to us is to see everyone as potentially being in relationship with God and to be locked in as sons and daughters. And that's the heart cry of the Father. And it needs to be the heart cry of those who are part of the religious. <laughs> and it needs to be an awareness that he embraces those who call out to him. And so, you know, as we enter this new year and as we're going on, let us pray that our heart has the heart of the Father in mind. If we want to be true sons and daughters, that means embracing what he sees as important from beginning to end. That means cultivating the love that he loves with. That means taking on his mindset and saying, something's lost, I need to find it. Someone is lost, I need to find them. And then for those times when we're looking and saying, I've messed up again, I'm not quite sure whether he'll receive me, to acknowledge that over and over there's this declaration and even the, the very reason of Jesus coming to earth is God's visible declaration that he wants to interact with humanity, that he wants to restore us into relationship with him. Lord, help us to embrace that. Okay, I'm going to pray and ask the worship team to come up. If you've been struggling through some of these issues, then let's pray that God establish in your heart this certainty of destiny in Him. Whatever He has for you is good, that His desire is to embrace and accept, to restore, to bring into fullness of life. Lord, let that be the experience of each one here. Each one of us wrestles through different issues. We ask that our heart would be like yours, that we would have a desire to reach the lost and see, the, the, see each one through your eyes. We also ask, Lord, that when there's a question in our hearts whether you would receive us or not, that that would be washed away with an understanding that you love. Your desire is to embrace and receive with a fullness that is reflected in a son and daughter relationship. Amen. When the worship team uh, puts their songs together and when I work on a message, we don't confer with each other, but when we sang those first two songs this morning, and I'm going couldn't have picked better songs to fit with what I was bringing. There is an awareness that God has something to say here this morning, very specifically, and wants to restore some hearts. And so we're going to let that happen. I just encourage you to um, open your heart to it. If you would like prayer, it's easiest if you come forward or find someone that you trust say, would you help me with this? That's, that's the benefit of community. You know, it, it's, uh, 
there are certain things that we just don't get through on our own. We weren't designed to. He made us to truly need each other and to benefit from each other's lives. So I'm going to pray for God's blessing upon you. Um, that's a habitual thing here. Uh, what remains is open-ended worship. Meals are starting back up. I encourage you to participate. But let's, uh, let's let the Lord receive us home, so to speak. Okay? Let's let him do the work that he wants to do. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy that having once been lost, they've been found in you, received as a son and daughter of yours, with full benefit, no more shame. Break off shame. Break off guilt, fear. Bring into new life, we pray. Establish in the heart the destiny that is available in each one. I'd also ask, Lord, as each one goes into the community, that you give them words of life to speak over others. That you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural, I ask. Be exalted and lifted up, our Lord, I pray. 